Yoda's final three-episode arc in The Clone Wars finished the animated series back in 2014. It provides a powerful testament to Yoda as a wise but ultimately flawed character. Above all, it underscores some key tenets of what makes up the living and the cosmic force. We're here to analyze it today at long last. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to Yoda 3, the very last part of our Yoda summer series here on Sky Talkers. We have made it, and I have really enjoyed it. I have, too. It's been so great. And I feel every time – now, this is our third summer series that we do. I feel like it's going to feel really good once we're done recording this. Like, to (laughs) – I don't mean that. I just – I feel like it was – so great to do this character study of Yoda yeah. and to dive really deep. And I think that this particular episode that we're about to record is something that we wanted to do for so long. And I think that it's really clear that the only way that we could have done it is how exactly how we did it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was, we've talked about doing an episode on these Yoda episodes in the Clone Wars for a while now. And as we said at the very beginning of our series, it's kind of what inspired us to not only just tackle these episodes, but Yoda as a whole. And I think it was – I like how we structured it, um, kind of saving these for last because there's some good stuff in there. (laughs) Yeah, I think that originally maybe in Yoda 1 we mentioned that in the third part we're going to be talking more about – I think we specified like Yoda and animation, but I think it became really clear that what we really wanted to talk about and what would be, like we said in the prologue, a good testament to Yoda's character is really just talking about this specific arc in Mm -hmm. The Clone Wars. And if you guys haven't seen it, obviously there's going to be spoilers throughout this because we're discussing it, but, (laughs) and it's been out for many years, but (laughs) spoiler warning, (laughs) but it's, so good (laughs) and I'm so happy we're talking about it but like I I, like I said I think that we we might have mentioned that we wanted to talk about Dooku Jedi Lost a little bit I think we've touched on it at some points but Mm -hmm. um that's definitely not going to be the main focus of this episode I think that we've definitely pivoted to just straight up talking about the Yoda Force arc in the Clone Wars because (laughs) it's just so important and honestly it's not just important to our Yoda series but like how we often refer to certain things in Star Wars so I I, like we said it's really has been like a long time coming yeah it's honestly crazy given just how force freaky these episodes are how we have not really covered them before for sure (laughs) given that this is our favorite thing about Star Wars so uh it's here now folks (laughs) (laughs) here we are here we go But uh, the other companion piece to our Yoda series, we did do a kind of like a pseudo commentary on these episodes for our Patreon $3 and up supporters. Uh, We watched it together and it was really served as our preparation for this episode. So it was kind of interesting. Charlotte and I don't usually prep for episodes together when we're rewatching things. So it was kind of a fun exercise and going back and forth and and talking a little bit about how we were going to be preparing for the show while also talking about the episodes as we were watching them. And for me, honestly, it was the first time I'd watched them in a really long time because Yoda. Uh, But now I don't feel that way anymore. (laughs) And I think it was really fun to actually come back to them at the end of our deep dive into his character these past couple of weeks. So Mm -hmm. if you are interested in that, that is up on our Patreon. And I'm really excited 
to do this episode because we get to start it off with a very long and wonderful quote from Dave Filoni. <laughs> Yeah. So as you guys know, we do a lot of research and prep for our episodes and have very extensive Google Docs. We've mentioned the Google Doc creation many times before on the podcast. And when we were doing research about the creation of this arc, I stumbled across this quote that I felt like I just we just had to read the whole thing because yeah. <laughs> it's Dave talking about the Yoda arc. So Caitlin and I, it's very long. So we're going to, as we do sometimes with these long quotes, kind of popcorn off. Um, and it is from an article on StarWars.com, which I just have to say, StarWars.com continues to be a great treasure trove of information and articles. And I'm not saying that they're not at the speed that they used to be, but the amount of content that they used to produce per Clone Wars episode and even Rebels, I maybe spent like three to four hours last night mm -hmm. on starwars.com reading old articles and old interviews with Dave Filoni and it just made me yearn for more of that and it's been years since those kind of interviews have happened on starwars.com and frankly I miss them and if you guys are kind of yearning for any sort of old commentary on uh, Clone Wars um, it really was so great to to read. There's this awesome three-part uh, interview by Dan Brooks um, about Dave Filoni in, in talking about the end of season five. And this, this quote is actually pulled from that same interview, except it was kind of siphoned off to a different article because it was, quote, too spoilery to put in the original three-part series. So, that's where this comes from. It is Dave kind of reflecting on what's to come um, from the Lost Missions and the author had seen them. So it's really interesting. StarWars.com, please give us resistance content like this. Yeah, that's kind of the undercorner of what I'm yeah. saying. It's like, <laughs> I, I really miss this kind of deep dive into the creation and the thought process that goes into them. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've gotten that. It's not that we haven't gotten that. It's just, it's oh my gosh, you read these quotes from Dave Filoni and you're like, just kind of yeah. astounded. <laughs> I think it would be so great to be getting that uh, kind of level or that amount of thought process into the content creation for resistance since Dave isn't heading it up, you know, like day to day, it would be so interesting to get into the heads more of those creators who we don't know as well, perhaps in the same way that we knew Dave as a, as a supervising director and writer. And I think it would just be really great because resistance is doing such amazing things and I just want to know more about it. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that just to kind of I don't want to play devil's advocate, but I do think that a lot of the stuff that Dave was interviewing about that is so like revelatory that I'm speaking from is uh, really reflect reflecting on seasons past too. So hopefully, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I don't think that this level of uh, brevity or brevity is not the right word. This this like breath of content was like coming in season one of the Clone Wars. I think oh, that yeah. like. If we give it a little, if if we give resistance a little time, I hope that we can have the creators comment on the full piece. So I don't want to wait that long. I don't either. So, I give it to season me now. two. Give me <laughs> give me some more season two, please. The people, the sky talkers, we want it. <laughs> okay, so let's dive into this quote. Um, so StarWars.com asks the question. 
Of all the characters, George Lucas seems to be very protective of Yoda, especially putting him out there alone. Can you talk about how the story came to be and what it was like working with George on the Yoda arc? And then this begins Dave Filoni's quote. We tried to do a story with Yoda almost every year, but it didn't happen. Yoda is such an important character that we would be evolving the story and go, you know, Yoda being in this, it just doesn't make sense. It's not a big enough obstacle for him. If he's there, I don't believe this is as much of a problem. So that's why he's relegated to the council a lot, unfortunately. We finally landed on this big story, which in some ways is connected to the Mortis trilogy that we did. It's kind of the other side of that coin where Yoda gets directly involved in the bigger questions about the Force. George and I would discuss this story all the time because it's Yoda and it's very important to him, and I wanted to make sure we got it right. So I was always asking George things about Yoda, how he would behave, what he would do, and what he would question. What you get out of the story arc is that you understand finally that Yoda in the Clone Wars period is not at all the same person he is in Empire Strikes Back. People, I think, have always wondered, why in the Clone Wars is he like, isn't he like what he was in Empire? He's not as odd. He's not as quizzical. Why is he so much more serious in the Clone War? And where's the fun little Yoda who is wise? Well, he's not there yet, you see. The story we get to tell goes a very long way towards explaining who Yoda is prior to the Clone War and who he becomes after the Clone War. He basically reaches a certain point of enlightenment and it ties into Qui-Gon and what Yoda talks about in Revenge of the Sith. It makes all of those things come together. And then when you look at it and you hear what he says at the end of this arc versus what he was saying at the beginning, you realize he'd come to a different understanding. In Empire, he says things like, wars not make one great. Well, he fought a war. You have to fight through the war and you have to get through that and see other people that do that to have any understanding of that truth. So he can't be that way during the Clone Wars. Quote, a Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense, never attack. Well, the Clone Wars era Jedi don't seem to think that way. Maybe that was just a long-lost governing principle, but they're certainly not behaving that way in the Clone War. So you understand that, fundamentally, what a Jedi is during the Clone Wars and the prequel era is different than what Yoda, Qui-Gon, and eventually Obi-Wan understand is the truth of being completely selfless. Certain things in life you cannot defeat through conflict. You can only defeat them through being selfless and giving of yourself for others. Inspiration, enlightenment, teaching. I mean, that's all in The Empire Strikes Back. They never tell Luke to actively go out and save his father. In fact, they say he's probably going to have to destroy his father. But it's mainly because they can't tell him that which he needs to understand. The true enlightenment of, I have to save my father. They can't just say it. That that makes it easy. Faith isn't about knowing. Okay. So that was the wonderful Dave Filoni quote. And we are actually going to divide up our three parts by the three episodes that the Yoda arc was. So part one is going to be all about the episode Voices. Part two is going to be about the episode Destiny. And part three is going to be all about the episode Sacrifice. So without further ado, let's get started. Yes, brave we must be. The worst, I fear, is yet to come. Welcome to part one where we are going through the very first episode of this Yoda arc at the end of season six of The Clone Wars called Voices. And we're going to do something a little different here. Usually we don't kind of go through beat per beat the story, but we are going to provide a brief description at the start of each episode or each part um, because there's a lot going on here. (laughs) And we think we talked about it and we're like, I think it's actually important to kind of go through the steps of where he's going, what he's being told where, et cetera, et cetera. So the little George-ism, the little fortune cookie at the start of this episode, 
Number one, all of these fortune cookies are so freaking ominous, even (laughs) more so than usual. (laughs) (laughs) So the first one for the episode voices is madness can sometimes be the path to truth. (laughs) I think that's my favorite one that we're going to read, by the way. It's so interesting. I kind of like destiny. Okay, we'll get there. (laughs) Uh, Okay, and so the brief description. Now, I wrote these this little synopsis. It's not written in a very nice manner. It's just very succinct and to the fact. So it's not flowery. Don't expect flowers here. So (laughs) the description is Yoda begins hearing Qui-Gon Jinn's voice and the other council members begin to worry about Yoda. Yoda talks to Anakin about the visions he had of Qui-Gon on Mortis. The Jedi believe that Yoda is being manipulated by the Sith, and therefore the Jedi are also being manipulated. Yoda goes into a sensory deprivation chamber to kind of increase his visions and almost dies. Anakin helps him break out of his kind of hospital quarantine. Yoda and R2 go to Dagobah. Yoda encounters Qui-Gon Jinn on Dagobah, and Qui-Gon manifests himself as these kind of glowing orbs or almost like fireflies. Yoda goes into a cave on Dagobah and has a similar experience that Anakin has on Mortis, where he sees the future with the clone army and the Jedi. Qui-Gon tells Yoda after the vision that what he sees isn't the future. It's all already happening. (sighs) So good. (laughs) That line from Qui-Gon, I think, is my favorite part of this episode, where Yoda was like, well, when's this all happening? And Qui-Gon was like, it already is. (laughs) It's so ominous. So ominous. (laughs) It's so interesting to consider that, though, like the fact that a premonition or a vision – it's not a premonition. It's a manifestation of something that's already happening, I guess, said by Qui-Gon, um, that is already set in stone. Like it, it really can't be changed, right? It's so it's so ominous. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think this thing we're gonna be kind of touching based on throughout this discussion, but the fact that these are the episodes that one, George is very, very heavily involved in these episodes with Dave, and that this is where they end the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a really interesting choice that I think that question will revisit at the very end of the series. But I thought that this episode did a really good job of setting up the tone of what is going on with the Jedi Order. Everything mm-hmm. – you you can really feel that palpable <laughs> – palpable – Palpatine uh, tension <laughs> from everyone at the Jedi Temple. And you just kind of see them all. You mentioned this when we were doing our commentary about how it was interesting how all of the Jedi Council members are all going around and talking about Yoda without Yoda being there. And how mm-hmm. they're all like, do you know what's going on? I don't know what's going on. What do you know? What do you think? What's going on? Yeah, I do think there's this level of deception probably isn't the right word, but discussion of others that's just kind of uh, a little questionable. Um, before I forget, though, I want to go back to the the quote from Qui-Gon <laughs> about how he sees the future and says it's already happening. I think in a way that quote kind of lets Yoda off the hook a little bit for perhaps letting Order 66 happen when he knows that the clones are going to turn against or in the vision the clones are against the Jedi so I I do I think that there's that there's that little bit of he can't change the future it just has to be because it's already existing you know what I mean yeah I don't know how I feel about that but 
Yeah, it definitely puts Yoda in this interesting position of knowing, like, how one, how clear is the vision, and two, does Yoda believe that that vision will happen beat per beat? Maybe. I think I think he does. I don't really know, though, but I think that's an interesting way to look at it as kind of letting him off the hook because I don't know if, if like, would this – would George and Dave want us to think that Yoda just kind of allowed these things to happen or mm. after this, like, whole arc? And maybe we'll see some of that in season seven, actually, of Yoda trying to find out if there's a way to change the future. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I just think – Back to talking about how the Jedi Council has a large function in this episode. This is really the one where you see Yoda among the council. And just like that Dave quote that we opened with, I think it's interesting if we're thinking about Yoda as a character and how he's performed in the Clone Wars. Not to say that there isn't so many episodes with Yoda out in the battlefield, because there are. In fact, chronologically, the first episode of the Clone Wars starts with Yoda in leading a battle and he's being really tricky and crafty. Um, but I do think that if this is almost like a microcosm of Yoda's own personal journey, it's interesting. And I think, right. That we'd start in the Jedi council and him being able, being not able to find too many answers among his peers in the council. Mm-hmm. Which is where he should be able to find answers. I mean, that's yeah. where he- think he would find answers going into his meditation chamber all the time you know discussing it with other members of the council but he has to leave behind everything that he knows in order to one find something he actually doesn't know for once Mm -hmm. (laughs) and kind of go on this completely separate journey away from the council which is really interesting but and then but it kind of falls in with what we were talking about in the last episode about Yoda kind of keeping this burden of what he of what he doesn't know actually of the fact of the fact that he doesn't know what's going mm-hmm. on and how he's keeping a, a lot of that to himself and then he kind of ends up doing the same thing throughout these episodes which is curious more concealment love it <laughs> <laughs> truly truly <laughs> can we ask the question of why are Dave and George capping off the Clone Wars during this time with this set of episodes? And why Yoda? You know, I think that they could have done an episode of Anakin and his journey or Ahsoka not in the Jedi or something, but it's Yoda. Why mm. are we following Yoda? And I don't know if we have the the question or the answer to the question, but it, I don't know. What do you think about that? Maybe because this character is so important to George and like Dave said in the quote earlier about how they'd been looking for something big to do with him and just hadn't really landed on what that story looked like. And I don't know, you think about, I don't know, if we can just speculate a little bit about George's state of mind during this time. I mean, at this point when they're developing these stories, George probably knows that he's not going to be with Star Wars that much long. You know what I mean? Like, you wonder how much of those things are kind of going on in his head, whether subconsciously or consciously, he's already making moves towards the eventual sale of Disney. And Well, this episode came out in 2014. The Disney sale happened in 2012. Yeah. So, uh, and story story development was at uh, underway for the sequel trilogy, for sure. Yeah. You just – I don't know. I I find myself thinking about how Dave references that 
this episode, like pretty much everything about the force is coming from George mm-hmm. within these episodes. And I don't know. I just kind of see George being like, well, this is my swan song. Here it goes. <laughs> and the character who can allow him to talk about the force most and kind of this whole this whole thing, <laughs> I think, is Yoda. Like, I don't know if we could have had similar discussions about the – a similar exploration of the Force at this point in the timeline with another character like Ahsoka or like Anakin or Obi-Wan or anyone else. I think it Yoda is fits the best bell, like bill for that, you know? Oh, I totally agree. I think that there's something about how Yoda is filled with so much wisdom. And we've talked at length, obviously, in the last Yoda episode about whether that wisdom is warranted in terms of like audience perception. But I think that you're so right that Yoda has this like carrying of the torch kind of concept about him that he can embody and learn all these weird things about the force that George kind of just had to get out of him, you know? Yeah. Um, in some way. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. George is like, gotta, I gotta put this out there. This is how this is how I think about the force. Yeah, and I just I'm gonna bring this back around because I just <laughs> in the first episode oh boy. or was it the last episode where I asked the kind of I said it was like a dumb <laughs> question about whether or not Yoda follows the hero's journey, right? And and we were both like no, he doesn't. <laughs> but it's like worth asking because if we're going to study the story, then we have to ask that question in the scope of Star Wars. But the and crazy that- thing is, <laughs> the, these three episodes, and this is really truly why we wanted to focus on these episodes, follow the hero's journey to a T. Casually. <laughs> this is Yoda's own hero's journey. So if we're thinking about how George and Dave are trying to think of the best Yoda story to present, and this is why we wanted to read that quote, this is it. Because here we have Yoda in this like mystical way going on a hero's journey unlike anything we've seen before. I think we compare this to Mortis because in a way it is similar to Mortis, and there's a lot of concepts that are similar to Mortis. But this idea of Yoda going on a journey alone for enlightenment is <laughs> is a hero's journey and it's like it's to a t act one act two act three each of these episodes in this arc follow it that it, it's just kind of mind-blowing and funny <laughs> because really? we we're both like, no and then i no crack open <laughs> yeah i crack open um hero with a thousand faces when doing prep for this episode and i was like oh that's casual. <laughs> we kind of both came to it at the same time because we were re-watching certain clips and you text me and you're like, so the hero's journey. And I was like, well. <laughs> I mean, like, can we just go through the act one part? Because it's just kind of insane, right? Yeah. So the first thing is ordinary world and call to adventure. Separation. Act one is the separation. Yes. So obviously his call to adventure is Qui-Gon reaching out to him. Through the and in bargain call. bargain without knowing also. He doesn't he can't really find that voice again. What is that call? Um, but it's also mixed with meeting the mentor and supernatural aid because Qui-Gon is both of those things at that point. Which is so interesting because Qui-Gon becomes the mentor when he used to be the student. Mm-hmm. 
And then, of course, we have The Road to the Trials, which is basically his escape in his deprivation chamber. So this is all in Act One. And then when he crosses the threshold is when he returns. He goes to Dagobah, um, which is his first encounter with Dagobah. You are to be assumed. Like, obviously, that's not in canon. Like, you don't know if Yoda's ever been to Dagobah before. But um, and and therefore he is able to start his journey to that, that Qui-Gon starts him on. Mm-hmm. Yep. And crosses over into the special world. <laughs> It's it's just ridiculous, honestly. But it like talking about it, it just makes perfect sense because George loves the heroes. <laughs> he was like, "This is my swan swan song. Gotta make it about the force. Gotta make it about the hero's journey. Gonna wrap it up in this nice little package called Yoda." Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> The there are a lot of things I like about this episode. It's probably not my favorite out of the three, um, just because the other ones, of course, have a lot more force interest. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for both of us, probably. I think, like I said, the tone of this one is really great. You really sense the desperation of the Jedi and kind of how worried they are and anxious, and the fact that they're talking about things in separate little groups. I think is just very telling about their state of being. The other big takeaway from me in this episode was the fact that Yoda called Anakin in to help him break out of his little – when he was in the hospital within the Jedi. And Anakin's like, you wanted to see me? And he was like, I need your help to get out of here. And Anakin was like, what? <laughs> I just like that Anakin has that reputation. Oh, Anytime yeah. I hear about like any kind of schoolyard reputations that Anakin has, I just love it so much. Mm-hmm. And I also think that when we're given the scene between Anakin and Yoda, we're supposed to think about all the scenes that have happened between Yoda and Luke later and the fact that Anakin is kind of known as the mischievous one, the one that can break out, the one that leaves. And then Yoda's specifically asking him to do that while in the future, that's exactly what happens to Luke. He breaks out of Dagobah. He leaves. He is abrupt. (laughs) So it's just, uh, you know, it's a trait that carries on. It's one of those things. Also worth noting that R2-D2 is the one that goes on this whole journey with Yoda. (laughs) He's seen it all. Per our last conversation where I requested a one shot of R2 and Yoda catching up and R2 is like, why are we here again? (laughs) Of all places, you came back here. (laughs) (laughs) Although I guess out of the three planets that Yoda goes to – I would want to come back to Dagobah out of the other two. Yeah. Well, what about the purest form of the galaxy? Yeah, except you've got the Force priestesses following you true. around. True, with all very their faces true. and all their voices and who knows what else. I think it's interesting to think about what Anakin – I don't know. I, I really liked that conversation about between Yoda and Anakin about whether or not Anakin had been visited by Qui-Gon – Mm-hmm. Um, on Mortis and like what what his own perception of that was and Yoda was kind of asking him like were you visited by him can it be true can it not, is it not true you know mm-hmm. and I I think that what I <laughs> have kind of decided is from that conversation I want to know what further conversations Obi-Wan and Anakin had about Mortis because in that scene Anakin kind of seems hesitant to accept that 
Qui-Gon was some sort of apparition, not actually Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. And and he's almost – he even says, that's what Obi-Wan tells me, I guess, something like that. And yeah. to me, our, it, it's already kind of forming these cracks in the foundation between the friendship of, like, perception between Anakin and Obi-Wan that is really interesting. And I just – kind of am craving a conversation that further elaborates on their journey of Mortis. Mm-hmm. I think, I forget which one of them says it, but they describe Mortis as they think that the what they remember from Mortis is a vision made of memories, I think mm-hmm. is how they describe it, which is a really cryptic word choice. But you think about Anakin kind of being hesitant to tell Yoda what he thinks he may or may not actually remember and, you know, what was real versus not real, especially as we'll see Sifo-Dyas later. But in relation to Sifo-Dyas, who had all these crazy visions and slight spoiler for Dooku Jedi Lost, we know that the Jedi had basically like asylums for people, for Jedi, for Force users who had, were basically ailed by visions from the Force. And they tried to keep that on the DL. Sifo-Dyas goes to one for a while we don't know how mm-hmm. long or really what even happens there and so i think that i don't know maybe anakin is thinking about that you know how the jedi don't really believe in those things anymore so what what really is yoda getting at when he's asking him about it um i don't know those are things i think about now but <laughs> now that i know so much now that i know so much well, i'm plagued with this knowledge the, scratch it off your bingo the paradox of star wars and how it's created these i mean Coming back to these episodes now, everything I was thinking about are things that are how it relates to things that have been made after its creation, mm-hmm. which again, you know, like the sequel trilogy, they've been talking a lot about Rise of Skywalker and how, you know, so much of it came from George. <laughs> really talk to George about this one. <laughs> <laughs> And if this is the last thing that George, that we know of, that George had a really heavy hand in. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it means. I think I know what it means. I think I hope I know what it means. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm same. <laughs> but <laughs> let's talk about the force specifically because this is really. I think that when you Google cosmic force and living force, you're often brought to this clip of Qui Gon explaining that to Yoda, and in turn explaining it to the audience. I think that it's a concept. I'm not 100% sure was as this laid out until this episode. And obviously, mm-hmm. it's been elaborated on. We talk about it all the time <laughs> in <laughs> regards to Ray and Kylo. But let's just like read the quotes from the episode because it's just really interesting. Um, Yoda's questioning Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon goes, I'm a manifestation of the force, the force that consists of two parts. Living beings generate the living force, which in turn powers the wellspring that is the cosmic force. He sa- he goes on to say, all energy from the living force, from all things that have ever lived, feed into the cosmic force, bonding everything and communicating through us through the midichlorians. Because of this, I can speak to you now. He, he goes on to say, also, I exist where there is no future, no past. He he just says it, you know, he just says it and then he just, he's gone. No, um, <laughs> the Force Priestesses will talk a little bit more about this in the next episode as well, but basically say, say the same thing about how the living force 
is life is what Luke talks about in The Last Jedi. That's the living force. And then the cosmic force is like a step above that. There's the will of the force, which I think is referring to the cosmic force. And then there's the living force, which is the actual energy that binds us. But the cosmic force has this will and a motive as well. Mm Mm-hmm. I just I I have to return to this quote because I think it's paradox paradoxical. All energy from the living force, from all things that have ever lived, feed into the cosmic force, bonding everything and communicating through us through the midi chlorians. Because of this, I can speak to you now. So the idea is that me, the living being, feeds into the cosmic force. I, I my fate and destiny are determined by such because it's our it's already happening. There's no past. There's no present. It's just my destiny. Mm-hmm. Well, and oh, I know it gets a little it's a little confusing <laughs> because you have personal choice, right? <laughs> well, I well the force priestess says that it's when something dies that it becomes a part of the living force, and so. I guess you're a part of the living force now, but when you actually feed the, into the cosmic force is once a living thing dies. But what about the communication through the midichlorians, which are all inside of us? I think that's the living force. Feed into the cosmic force, bonding everything and communicating through us, through the, the midichlorians. But what the force priestess <laughs> me. Well, the force priestess said this. <laughs> uh, the force priestess. The Force Priestess makes it seem – she says that they balance, they they feed each other. So it's a cycle. It's a circle. Everything's mm-hmm. a circle, a cycle. And it all comes back. So the midichlorians almost – I guess you could kind of think of it as they go in between the cosmic force and the living force. And the, the, the living things that die feed the midichlorians in the living force that then go and give power to the cosmic force. And then the cosmic force – brings that back into the living force and and it communicates all it's it's ambiguous it's fluid midi chlorines mm-hmm. are fluid and they go between the cosmic and living force okay but then here's a scenario oh god when we look at a movie like the force awakens and okay. while the ground is splitting apart due to the instability of Starkiller Base being hit by Poe Dameron, right? Mm-hmm. Yet it separates our heroes by bringing these two cliffs from a- apart from each other to stop Rey from giving into the anger emotions and Kylo from dying, right? Because I think if, if Rey went any further, she could kill kylo Mm -hmm. um and therefore it separates i think that we look at that and we think of the fact that yes that was already happening on starkiller base the planet was disintegrating but that separation was an act of the cosmic force to separate these two Mm -hmm. is it an act of the cosmic force is an act of the living force oh i think it's the i think it's the cosmic force because I think that's what's happening on Starkiller Base. I mean, it's all layers and it's all happening at the same time because it's all existing outside of time, at least the cosmic right. force anyway. So and- it's the will of the force manifesting through the midichlorians, both in Ray and Ben Solo at that point that separates them? Yes. 
by the cosmic force it's it just gets a little it gets a little hard to understand i think that we think of the cosmic force as like the will the destiny the like making sure that everything that is happening continues to happen right Mm -hmm. But then you remove this this free will element that I think is so central to Star Wars that I think perhaps is concurrent with the living force. I'm not sure. I think that it's it's I'm happy to have this conversation with you because I just I feel like I'm sure listeners listening are like, what am I listening to? I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) But like that's kind of. I think that's the point in this weird way. It's well, it's like this paradoxical thing of any religion, right? Yeah. Like it, it's, well, it's all I, the same, yet it's all different. Like mm-hmm. I'm speaking of Christianity here because that's what I'm familiar with. But you have these three parts or two parts and they're supposed to be the same, but they're actually not the same, right? Yeah, in that idea of predestiny. Like, exactly. Like you're predestined to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, well, but then there's also a personal choice that you choose that, just like you do in any religion. You choose to be a follower of that religion. Mm-hmm. And so is it your choice or was it already predestined for you? Well, it's this ambiguous thing in the middle. Well, it's both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's both. <laughs> well, that doesn't answer my question. <laughs> but I, when you think about a char- like characters like Kylo and Rey, they're specifically – described as instruments of the cosmic force and i don't think everyone is an instrument of the cosmic force and so the rules are different for them they they have they have heightened communication with the cosmic force that manifests itself through their high-end force powers but maybe they're not even aware of it yet uh, of just exactly what that means and so perhaps then the cosmic force can have an even greater influence in their lives to actually do something as physical as split the earth in half to separate Mm -hmm. them because the time's not right yet. But it's happening on this planet that is already naturally cracking. So it just uses the situation to its advantage and does it. (laughs) It does. It does do it. It it does what it's going to do what it's going to (laughs) do. Well, I think there's an interesting distinction here because it's not like Qui-Gon says, I'm a manifestation of the cosmic force or I am a manifestation of the living force. He just says, I'm a manifestation of the force. And I think that that is kind of where what you say kind of comes into play where Yoda is destined to go on this, but it's also not a trick because at this point, Qui-Gon has learned to commune beyond the veil. It reminds me, honestly, of the of some of the first promo material for Star Wars about like somewhere in a galaxy far, far away, this could all be happening or has already happened. They kind mm-hmm. of – they use that verbiage uh, to describe that, you know, either it's going to happen or it's a story from the past and, it, and it's just now getting to you uh, and this galaxy. And you don't really know what it is. <laughs> like, is this a story of the future or is this one of the past in a faraway place? And it's both. It's both of those things happening at once. And because we're human, we want to ascribe this set cycle, like – one midi-chlorian per person. Once it dies, it becomes a part of the cosmic force, and then it gets refed back into the living. And like they're perfectly balanced all the time. And this is the cycle. But it's not because, like they said, it's existing outside of time. And just due to that, we're never going to be able to wrap our head around it because the cosmic force is actively feeding the living force back and forth. And 
I don't know. I guess it's kind of like a river and a current. Like what current is – like which way the current is being pulled and which way the midichlorians are going and who's kind of determining that. Is it more natural? Like the the flow of things through personal choice that I think exists predominantly within the living force or is it something like a, like a riptide with the cosmic force? I don't know. Right. <laughs> I do think that if we can kind of step back to Yoda for this point, it is Who? Yoda's destiny to come here to hear Yoda, uh, Qui-Gon's voice, to realize the manifestation of Qui-Gon of the Force in front of him because it is his destiny to be able to give this power to others, whether it's Obi-Wan, whether it's Anakin, which clearly happened because he was able to become a ghost at the end of Return of the Jedi. A little unclear on that. He he finished that training real fast. Really fast. (laughs) But maybe that just happened like when he died. You don't know. I don't know. You know? Yeah. it's storytelling possibilities are endless. <laughs> and I just think that if if this hadn't been thrust upon him, it's true so much of what has happened in the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy to further the redemption of Anakin Skywalker wouldn't have happened because <laughs> Obi-Wan <laughs> wouldn't have been able to give the guidance to Luke in the X-Wing on Death Star. Like all of these things are so important and it was up to Yoda to learn that. So that conversation that happens in Revenge of the Sith, when George and Dave are talking about where we take Yoda's character, it's like, how do we talk about the fact that Yoda has been talking to Qui-Gon? What does that mean? And what does that mean for the ripple effects of the galaxy? And so I think that the purpose of this episode really is to prove that this is Yoda's destiny. This is like a pivotal moment in Yoda's life. And we're going to take him on a pretty strenuous journey to get him to the end point of the hero's journey, which is to master the two worlds and also to have the freedom to live, which is the end of the hero's journey, which I think is fascinating because it's not just the freedom to live, like, you know, be alive, but it's also (laughs) to exist beyond death right and i think that that's so interesting like it's they must have looked at this chart and been like you know what (laughs) this is what we gotta do (laughs) we gotta do it i don't (laughs) or it's like ingrained in their brain at this point which it probably is i was gonna say i'm sure i'm sure we don't know it and that's why he wears flannel all the time but george has like a tattoo of this just on his forearm that he uses oh my god this is the best headcanon i've ever heard in my entire life (laughs) How has this never come up? George Lucas 100% has a Joseph Campbell tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) What if if his tattoo was like a thousand faces, but the the one in a thousand is actually a lightsaber? (laughs) I I just can't. I really can't. (laughs) Oh, and he just, they're like, well, we, like, where's a refresher on the hero? And he just rolls and up his sleeve. Just takes off his flannel shirt to reveal the tattoo. The right arm, the right arm is the ordinary world, and the left arm is the special world. In the middle is the world navel. I just, I literally can't. It's too much. It's just too much. I mean, my head hurts a little, honestly, <laughs> just <laughs> thinking about both 
what's going on in these episodes and also about George with a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't doesn't really compute, does it? No, it really doesn't. <laughs> I do I do think that it's I just want to say it again cuz I think it's really important that in order these episodes the end point of the clone wars is for Yoda to have to be master of two worlds and to have that freedom to live. And that freedom to live is passed on through generations and generations, which is uh, only said again, like most recently in The Last Jedi, where you have to pass on your failure, but also you have to pass on your knowledge. So they heeded my words, you did not, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's important to pass on these things. And here Yoda is this like torchbringer tasked with doing just that and this is one of the most important arcs in all of the clone wars it caps off the clone wars as we know it right now in 2019 and it does just that it does it does it does i can't remember which episode it's in specifically but they tell i think it's qui-gon who tells yoda that this is really interesting so get out your pens and papers that Yoda has to learn how to manifest himself after death in order to preserve the Jedi Order. Yeah, it's hmm. uh, like the f- it's really what everything sits on. So interesting. It, it and I actually hadn't considered until you brought this up that the sequel trilogy was well in motion when this was coming out or being produced. I think that Dave has said that these episodes have been finished for a while and the whole like idea of the Lost Missions is that they were finished and written. But I do have to think that if this comes directly from George and he was signing away to Disney the idea that there were going to be more episodes of Star Wars that the ideas of this arc would continue throughout those movies, right? I'm sure I'm sure in those discussions, I don't think I don't think George sat down at the meeting and was like, well, Walt, if you're gonna take over Star Wars, you gotta make sure to incorporate these specific Yoda episodes. I'm sure it was more like the fact that they discussed that I'm sure they discussed during those meetings the fact that the EU would no longer be canon, but that mm-hmm. things like Clone Wars were. And so Disney wasn't going to create something that would inherently and so obviously contradict something as important as these episodes, clearly. And when you're talking, you reminded me, too, about how Ryan said that he basically got a, a, a playlist yeah, yeah, from Dave. And he said Mortis was in there. I think the question was specifically about Mortis. So, but it's it's funny because I think these episodes kind of get lumped into the conversation about Mortis that I would just wouldn't be surprised if it was that was also on that roster of episodes. Oh, to I'm watch. sure it is. I'm sure it is. And in a way, these ones are more important than Mortis. I'm for- gonna tweet Ryan Johnson right now about it. <laughs> <laughs> funny, but, you should bring that up. So maybe while we're recording this, Ryan Johnson will respond to you. <laughs> Imagine, maybe. maybe. <laughs> Okay, well, are we ready to move on to part two? Yes. <laughs> Show yourself. It's me. Yes. <laughs> you dare please not with me anymore. 
Okay, so welcome to part two, where we're going to be talking about the episode that follows the last one, Destiny. And the fortune cookie that's in the beginning is death is just the beginning. So is this one your favorite? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I mean, I like, I love it too. It's so good. But madness can sometimes be the path to truth is like kind of crazy. Listen. I'm sorry, but I just got to bring up the Raylo Padme any dollar reincarnation <laughs> theory and say death is just the beginning falls right into that line of thinking. So I know. it's kind of crazy. Honestly, as a Raylo, I don't know how I feel about the reincarnation or even the Annie Do- like the Annie Dollar reincarnation. I think it's a really very interesting theory, especially for reasons like this one. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it falls in line with with what with with that theory. So that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but I also I do love how it's just so freaking ominous. I think it's the most ominous out of the three of them, and I love that. I love a little yeah. foreshadowing. I love a little a little creepy factor with my Star Wars. Okay, so just like we did with the last episode, we're just going to go through a very brief description of what happens in this episode. So Yoda travels to the origin of life, which has a lot of geysers of light spewing out into the galaxy. Yoda goes to the bottom of one of the light geysers and meets the Force priestesses and is really skeptical skeptical about the trainings that they're going to be giving him. The Force priestesses then take Yoda to the place where everything is that remains unconquered. Yoda faces the dark shadow of himself here, um, who calls him out for being a part of the war. And at first, Yoda disregards his shadow and doesn't claim it. It's only once he acknowledges his shadow as a part of him that he's able to vanquish it. The Force Priestesses then tell Yoda that he must now go to the super joyful Valley of Extinction. The first vision he sees inside this uh, Valley of Extinction is the Jedi Temple, where we have that scene with Ahsoka dying. And then Katuni brings Yoda to a vision where the Clone Wars never happened and everyone is really happy. Yoda senses that it is an illusion and he ends the vision himself. Yoda is then awakened by the Force Priestesses again, who instruct him to go to the planet of Moraban, which is the ancient homeworld of the Sith, in order to complete the last stage of his training. So interesting. This is the craziest episode, in my opinion. I want to start with a question because the priestesses say life starts and ends here on this planet. I'm going to go for it. Was Anakin (laughs) created here on this planet of light? I don't even think we can discuss it after (laughs) our last (laughs) conversation all about the cosmic and living force. I knew that we were going to get into this, but after the last part, I'm like, whoa, I have no idea about anything anymore. But I think it's super plausible. I think it is too. I mean, it's not like Anakin. I think Pablo has even come out and said that there's no place in canon that says that Anakin was bored on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Um, Anakin just says that he was sold by Gardula the Hutt. Like, you just never really know where that happened. Um, Anakin's creation is kind of undefined <laughs> still. And the fact that this planet, the, the, the very geography of this planet is so interesting to me. First off, it looks like a beam of light that's coming out of the planet looks similar to me, like the laser beam that comes from the Death Star or a Starkiller base or anything like that. Yet it's supposed to be light. It's supposed to be good. It's like kind of um, random fractals of light that come out of it. 
And then it also has this like strange volcanic look as well, which really surprised me and took me off garden is something I really don't remember at all. And maybe it's just because my head is really into what is on the cover of the art of the Rise of Skywalker book that I'm just kind of really thinking about Mustafar all again. And that idea of like the place where Jedi go to die and that that was in Rebels and um, volcanic planets really do often symbolize the underworld. Yet this planet, while looking somewhat volcanic, is like a beam of light and has these crystals on them. When we recorded our commentary, I was like, that looks like Kyber. And then I was like, I guess it could possibly be the Kyber that is not Kyber, which was in um, Master and Apprentice. And it's just like the very symbolic nature of this planet is so interesting to me because it embodies both these concepts that we know as darkness and also light. I don't know. It's fascinating. So therefore, I really do think that it's a plausible theory. I mean, it just hasn't been proven wrong, you know, as a theory is, that Anakin could have been created on this planet that is so pure. If they don't say it's not true, it could be true. I think that, okay, so to our conversation previously about the cosmic force and the living force and Qui-Gon saying that he's just a manifestation of the force, in this episode, we learn that Qui-Gon is tasked by the cosmic force to teach Yoda. So for me, if we can return to our other conversation briefly, because it's like a mother of a conversation, (laughs) that (laughs) in, in this scenario, the cosmic force has a destiny and a will. I mean, not that it doesn't always, but it's manifesting through. It has a very specific motive. It's got like a to-do list here. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's like step number one, get train Qui-Gon. Step number two, get Qui-Gon to train Yoda. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think talking about the cosmic forces having a motive, I think motive is probably the best way to describe it, honestly, as opposed to will. Because it is the will of the cosmic force, but it it has this bias in it and it's selecting certain people to be instruments of the cosmic force and it's selected Yoda as one too and it's using Qui-Gon to that end. Mm -hmm. I think that the quote, he is to teach one that will save us from great imbalance is fascinating. (laughs) Maybe more fascinating than like Yoda must manifest his consciousness after the death in order to preserve the Jedi Order. But like the idea that Yoda is to teach one that will save us from great imbalance. I I think watching this, I was like, oh, he's talking about Yoda. Uh, Luke, obviously. Obviously Luke's going to save us. But I think that it's one of those things that it could change. You don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they feed into each other because he has to manifest his consciousness after death in order to preserve the Jedi Order. And the thing that we talked about in the last – like it it really does come full circle. Ryan Johnson has to have watched these episodes (laughs) is that he has to manifest his consciousness after death in order to preserve the Jedi Order. The thing we see him do after death is talk to Luke. And what does Mm -hmm. he tell Luke? That you have to teach through your failure. So he is to teach one that will save us from great imbalance. Again, he's taught a lot of the Skywalkers. So <laughs> it, 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 it's all of them and none of them <laughs> and both of them. But it makes like, like here, laying it out like this, it really makes me wonder if Yoda is actually going to be the one to talk to Kylo in Rise of Skywalker. Oh my gosh. That's super right? interesting. Right? That's what I would think you be about. okay with that? I think after this, I would be. Yeah. 
which sounds crazy, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I think that if your your last Jedi Yoda is your favorite Yoda, it wouldn't hurt to see yeah. him again. You know, That's commenting true. on things past. That's true. Would you be okay with it if it wasn't? Anakin? Yeah, for a lot of reasons. I think Daisy Ridley's favorite character is Yoda. She says it in like every single interview. I always think I'm like, oh, I wonder if they'll ever share scenes. Like, I don't think that Daisy was even on set when Frank Oz and Luke had that scene. I, I just like, I always wonder if they'd ever share scenes. And I would be interested to see what Yoda has to say to Ray, even though I think that at this point, Yoda says in the sequel trilogy, like, Ray's good. Like, she's got the books. She's <laughs> yeah. got everything she needs. But I, I think that maybe manifesting to Ray and Kylo would be really interesting. So. I don't yeah, know. Definitely. I think I'm down for it too. I think I am too. Not in the place I definitely more want Anakin, but <laughs> <laughs> I still think I'd be okay with it. Yeah, because I used to think that it would be Luke who appeared to them and then we'd hear all this dialogue from other force ghosts like Anakin and Yoda, but I wonder if maybe it's the other way around. Yeah. And maybe it's Yoda who appears. Can you imagine Kylo just like really angry and then suddenly Yoda? <laughs> and suddenly Yoda. And suddenly Yoda. <laughs> well, like being mischievous and everything. Do you think? I mean, I think let's just envision <laughs> Yoda hitting Kylo on the head with this cane. <laughs> that would be so good and so deserved. <laughs> okay, please do 100%, it. A hundred percent, please. I'm, <laughs> I'm very okay with this now. <laughs> now I want it. Yeah, now, now I really. Want well, it. it would also be interesting. Like, would do? Yo has Yoda ever appeared to Kylo? I feel like I yes. Does he know about him? Yeah. Really? You think he's appeared to Kylo? I mean, I don't see why not. It's not like when Yoda was like, missed you, I have. I think that it was more of – that could come from a place of, oh, oh, I haven't talked to you since, like, Return of the Jedi. Or it's like, I haven't talked to you since you shut yourself off from the Force and now you're awake and now I can talk to you. I bet I bet we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if Yoda has tried to talk to Kylo and couldn't because Kylo – like, can dark side users – people – like, Kylo himself was clouded with the dark side – both from Snoke slash Palpatine himself and then also Kylo himself being in the dark side. So I wonder if dark side users can see Force ghosts in the same way that Luke could see Yoda. Maybe Yoda tried to reach out to Kylo and couldn't. Yeah. I'm very interested in this now. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. I mean, wouldn't it be just so great if they're all like having this great Force bond and Yoda just smacks Kylo on top of the head and raises like, <laughs> I've been meaning to do that too. And Yoda's like, here, borrow my cane. And she's like, great. And she just gets <laughs> well, th again, back to like Daisy loving Yoda. I think yeah. that would give some serious personal satisfaction for her. Or, or if Yoda, Kyla's like, I can't believe you let him do that. And Ray's <laughs> like, well, your uncle smacked me across the hands with like a leaf or something like that and made a lot of fun of me. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> We're even now. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's really fascinating how the priestess says you have to come with good intention and light in your heart to accept these learnings. And they, they ask Yoda if he comes with good intentions and he says yes. But I think that if, if you compare this idea that, I mean, at the end of the day, the idea that Yoda is learning how to continue on beyond death 
The idea that that's exactly what Anakin wanted to achieve for Padme or some form of that, right? When Padme died, like to continue her life, to the power to cheat death. It's not, this is not necessarily like a one-to-one comparison, obviously, to bringing someone back from the dead, but you still carry on after your your life as a living person ends. And I think that that's really interesting because obviously the Sith were looking for that power, whether or not they found that, I don't really know. Um, but if they were looking, then you'd, I guess, come here and you'd have to bear yourself. But you can only do that with good intentions and light in your heart. You can't have a shred of darkness, right? It really just makes it so much more tragic because this thing that – Anakin has been after he thinks can only be found with the dark side when in reality that's exactly the opposite and it's something that Yoda is finding and again Yoda just concealing and keeping that knowledge to himself I think for good reason obviously through these episodes but the fact that I mean god you think about it and Yoda has learned all of this when he meets with Anakin in Revenge of the Sith and Anakin tells him exactly what his fear is Mm-hmm. And Yoda has all of this knowledge already. And he's like, well, you got to let go, kid. Uh, it's really fascinating. It, kind of bringing us back to our conversation earlier in the show about what does Yoda think is already written in stone versus what can possibly be changed and what is he maybe actively trying to change or is he making himself complacent because – he knows that there's nothing he can do. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not so sure. Yeah, me neither. Okay, but going back to our hero's journey, which Yoda follows exactly to a T. (laughs) Uh, This episode, I I really liked this episode because one, I liked seeing this kind of arrogant side of Yoda. He's He's very flippant in the beginning of the episode when, you know, the force priestess is like, the living force feeds the cosmic force. And Yoda's like, yeah, I got that already. Like, I'm a Jedi master, haven't you heard? (laughs) And when she tells him about the island of everything that is, everything that remains unconquered is on the island, which is basically his fears. And Yoda's like, yeah, I've been there, done that. I've conquered them. And she's like, no, pay attention. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's funny how you get to kind of see Yoda himself broken down a little bit in this episode to see that where then by the end of it, he's actually asking, okay, (laughs) what more? Like, what's the next step? What more do I have to learn? As before at the beginning, he's like, I already know all this. Why am I here? Yeah, there's this weird thing about watching this episode where, and we'll get into it about the shadow self, but where Yoda is faced with all these obstacles, and I have such faith in Yoda in a different, in like a way different way than I do in the Skywalkers, who I know are so tempted by certain things that you watch them and you're like, well, you know, Yoda's going to overcome this. Like, he's just going to accept it. He's going to realize that this is all an illusion and is, and is stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's then that's how he's going to rise above. Mm-hmm. But I guess that in my head, I'm so used to Skywalkers and, like, kind of the anxiety of their choices. And I think that's funny, but, like, I also think that's just kind of how Star Wars works at this point. Um, and with Yoda, I'm like, okay, so how is he going to get through this? Oh, he's going to just, like, how is he going to rise above is the question rather than what choice is he going to make? Yeah. And and with the shadow self, I think that the the most – one of the the clear – points of the hero's journey is his literally meeting the shadow self and 
basically the only way that he can get through it, and we said this in our recap, is by accepting it, accepting that a war is part of him. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's so good to have this like actual manifestation of the dark side of you. It's not the dark side in the Star Wars sense, like not capital D, but the shadow self of who you are and all your deepest fears that clearly Yoda hasn't overcome, which are the guilt of a war. And I think it's just really interesting. It really reminded me of Recently, Scavengers Horror did a three-part episode series all about the masculine and feminine in the sequel trilogy, and they quoted a lot of Robert Bly and the ideas of the integration of the shadow and how you have to accept it and accept this part of you. And I think that this is so key to understanding Yoda in the scene in that he, like the question is, how is he going to rise above? And he, how he does that is by accepting the shadow and accepting that it's part of him. And it's something that all of our characters need to do and have done. I'm specifically thinking about Kylo Ren right now. I think that he needs to accept their shadow self. I think that Rey also needs to accept that part of herself. And it's just great. Just really great. I loved this, like, super obvious visual metaphor. <laughs> yeah, it's very on the nose. I mean, it deals with so many philosophical things as well, like Carl Jung and the persona and the shadow and the ego. And you mm-hmm. see all of those kind of represented in Yoda throughout these episodes. His persona as the great Jedi master with the council, but in reality, he is so incredibly clouded and there's this fear that he's being manipulated. And then his ego when he first tells the shadow, you know, like, no, you're not mine. I don't claim you. He, he literally says, I do not claim you. <laughs> yeah. And then that shadow is finally that acceptance of that shadow. And he destroys it, yes, but it, I don't think it actually gets rid of the shadow because the shadow is himself. And the shadow is the one who tells him the truth. And that evil is manifested in his greatest fears. And when you, I really liked this line from the shadow Yoda or from Gollum Yoda when Yoda says, I do not recognize you. You're not a part of me. And the shadow responds back and says, yet you dwell in decadence of war. And that's what kind of makes Yoda step back and be like, oh. And I think that like that is the root of Yoda's greatest fear is that they're supposed to be – or what I think is one of his greatest fears is that they're supposed to be keepers of the peace, yet they've become so entrenched in this war. And Yoda thinks that the only way to get out of the trench is to win the war. But to win the war, it has to go against the very foundations of who the Jedi are. And he's been around long enough to know what those foundations were, to like have a living memory of that time before war in a way that a lot of other Jedi – aren't and haven't and the the decadence of war i think i think that line plays really nicely into the last jedi and what dj tells finn about Mm -hmm. you know how no one's winning the war the business the entrepreneurs they're the ones winning the war they're the ones living lavishly on a place like canto bite Yeah, I also think that if this episode was to cap off the clone wars it leaves us with the question of Man, the Clone Wars really were bad. I think that often you can kind of forget that when you're cheering for the Jedi and against the Separatists and this like great animated series. But instead, you have to wrestle with this idea that Yoda is and will be ridden with guilt 
over his involvement in war, which is bad. The star war, we want star peace. And <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. It's just it's it's really great. Yeah, I love this episode because you really can't apply so much of what one, it's so on the nose, right? And I think isn't it when he is it this one or the next one? When he comes out of the vision and the force priestess is literally like, well, you faced your hubris. <laughs> yeah. Well, that I remember watching that with you. I was like, that was the most obvious thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, I can't believe they're really spelling us out, spelling this out for us. Like, yeah. sometimes I think that they need to do that a little bit more for some viewers because I was like, wow, <laughs> hubris. <laughs> Using the word hubris in Star Wars <laughs> feels so literary. And I was like, oh, my God. It was pretty darn funny. Yeah. (laughs) I think this episode, I love the quote that this episode ends on with Yoda saying, the worst I fear is yet to come. He says this to R2. And again, this is one of those quotes for all times where it's like, okay, we're talking about the next episode because for sure we are. But are we talking about Order 66? Yes. Are we talking about beyond Order 66, the reign of the Empire? Yes. Are we talking about the reign of the First Order? Yes. When is the worst over? It's so ominous. It's so ominous. And he comes to the answer at the end of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is Tell me another franchise who does this, that does this, <laughs> that can have an, epi- an animated episode like this in production, in thought, in like circa 2011, comes out in 2014, and is still so incredibly applicable to content that wasn't even in development yet. I know. It's just so good. Tell me. And this is I'll wait. this is the 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 point where I'm just like I think the story group is fantastic for maintaining this continuity, but I do think uh, just to be able to pick the mind of the animation. You know, we haven't even said it this episode, Caitlin. Oh Look God. to the animated department animation department for the future of Star Wars. Like, are you we serious? Should, we should have just made that the prologue. Of I know. Episode. Maybe we'll Seriously. go back and re-record the prologue. <laughs> <laughs> because that that's what this whole episode is really about is Yeah. This episode arc is so crucial to who Yoda is, but it's also so crucial to the to Clone the Wars. It's also so crucial to the Force. Yeah, you think of I mean, people make the comparison of it to Mortis, but this one I think all in all, this episode is I'm just gonna say it. Is more important than Mortis because I think so too. Mortis is so specific to Anakin and his journey. And while all of these things about the Force are kind of happening to Anakin, there's very little explanation about what's going on and why it's going on. And what explanation there is, he promptly forgets. And while it's (laughs) cuckoo bananas for us, (laughs) it doesn't really have a lot of bearing on the actual characters whereas this is yes it happens to yoda but yoda is the one who is supposed to take what he's learned pass on his failure preserve the jedi order by teaching someone who will help solve the great imbalance (laughs) could be a myriad of people at this point (laughs) all of which he's taught and we're actually getting explanations of the force like this is where the living force comes from here's what it is i'm a manifestation of the force and you have to face your shadow self. That's your hubris. <laughs> and it's just – and it's beat for beat the hero's journey and this really is the foundation. I mean, I really do think the more we talk about it, I'm convinced that these episodes 
are really going to play into how everything is tied up at the end of The Rise of Skywalker. Like the seeds that are planted in here. I agree. I think that, I don't know, if we can compare Mortis and these episodes, the Yoda arc, I wish we had a better term than just the Yoda arc. Like Mortis just makes more sense. But I I feel like Mortis plays out like a play that we're supposed to witness these like metaphorical representations of the balance of the force existing and we're supposed to watch Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka react to these as they're given their past and their futures and yet at the end of the day it doesn't matter so much though since the memory of them doesn't necessarily change the future while we can look at this episode arc of Yoda and realize how much it really does change the future. <laughs> I like I can't get this quote out of my head, so I gotta say it. If if we can compare, which I just did, if we can compare Mortis <laughs> to like a play that plays out in front of Obi Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka, um, the Hamlet line, the plays the thing we're in, we'll catch the conscience of the king, kind of comes to mind just because in that moment we're supposed to understand Anakin's own reaction to seeing his future events, his worst fears come realized. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to understand that his, his, I don't know, we're supposed to understand that his conscious is kind of ever flowing and reactionary to these things, yet it doesn't mean anything. And while, it, while those episodes are really important in understanding the Force, this episode is way more important in understanding the grand scheme of the Force in Star Wars. Yeah, I think you... It's good how you discussed the different function of those stories. I think we got to add that to the next edition of Sky Talkers Bingo. What's the f- what function does it serve? <laughs> uh, but the function, the function in Mortis is to see is both it, like you said is to see Anakin's reaction to it and to see that his reaction to it is not a great reaction to it. Yeah. Uh, so even if Anakin had been given this vision of the future to to remember what was to come. He was probably be plagued by it in the same he, way he was he, plagued by the vision exactly, of Padme, his exactly. mother, and that et cetera, was just et cetera. a little piece of it. And this is like so much more. And I think when you start talking about the cosmic force versus the living force, you could almost play that question of, well, why didn't the cosmic force just tell Anakin what was going to happen, and then you know bring Anakin to this place to teach him how to manifest life after death, and then you know everything would have been great. But the problem was that Anakin was so volatile and Mm -hmm. like with his emotions and Mortis really kind of emphasizes that, that even if Anakin had known, it doesn't make his reaction any better. That knowledge, that knowledge doesn't give him power. That knowledge just feeds more into his fear. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Yoda, it's the complete opposite. Um, And again, I think it's a weird question of after Mm -hmm. this series of events, is Yoda complicit and compliant in the things that are coming down the line? Or does he try to see if there's a way to change the future? I think perhaps those questions might be answered with the next season of Clone Wars. But – and like you said too, like you have utmost confidence in Yoda being able to defeat it. I think that gets challenged a little bit in the next episode certainly – but I'm never scared about Yoda making the wrong decision. Like mm-hmm. you said, there's always an anxiety with what the Skywalker is going to choose. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love those kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're also the main characters. Like Exactly. There are conflicts. And Yoda, at the end of the day, is our teacher. Yes, exactly. And you know where he's going to end up. Watching this 
these episodes, you know that Yoda is wise. But I think that, I don't know, there's just like a limited sense of turmoil here. Maybe because it's like you're crossing over into the unreal. I don't know. It's an interesting thing to ponder. Yoda definitely keeps a really good handle on himself in these episodes. Even with this battle with his shadow self, he's very calm and collected. And he doesn't, after the shadow self kind of, tells him the truth of like you thrive in the decadence you're like you're living in the decadence of war right now you're contributing to it it doesn't take you out about two seconds to be like whoa you're so right yes you're my shadow okay (laughs) (laughs) and he he learned it's kind of weird how quickly he learns that lesson uh i don't know but i do think that it gets he gets knocked off his feet a little bit in the next one yes for sure let's talk about it No longer certain that one ever does win a war, I am. For in fighting the battles, the bloodshed, already lost we have. Yet, open to us, a path remains. That unknown for the Sith is. Through this path, victory we may yet find. Not victory in the Clone Wars, but victory for all time. Okay, welcome to part three, which is the last of this Yoda arc, the part three of Yoda 3. This episode is Sacrifice, and the fortune cookie at the beginning is facing all that you fear will free you from yourself. Also, Uh, (laughs) I just like, you can't not relate these to the sequel trilogy, guys. You just can't. You really can't. You gotta face your fears. It will free you. It will allow you to rise. Rise? Did somebody yeah, say rise? I, I use the word rise. I <laughs> went there. Like bread. <laughs> oh, we're talking about bread. We're talking about Ryan Johnson, dude. Yeah. Dude, we're the amount about of bread. like <laughs> subtle inside jokes in that <laughs> within fandom in that like two minute soundbite. I'm sorry. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, very sorry. Like, <laughs> if you're not on Twitter, please just go look at Ryan Johnson's profile. Make you happy. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> there is a lot going on in this episode as well. So we're gonna <laughs> do up. There's a there's a lot going on in this episode. There's a lot going on in this episode. <laughs> gonna catch you up to speed with my down and dirty synopsis. Okay, go. This reminds me of our twenty second. I know. I kind of miss it. Levels. I just got like a little stress, like like a ticking time bomb is about to start. And I was, like, gonna put a, a clock behind you. Please don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I like I my pulse is racing. <laughs> I have to tell myself not to read this super fast as if I'm on a timer because I'm not. Okay. Yoda arrives at the planet Morban, which is the ancient homeworld of the Sith, and is overtaken by serpents. He makes his way into the Sith temple where ghosts of Sith warriors try to frighten him and fight him. Yoda reminds them that they can't actually hurt him and they disappear. He then finds himself at the tomb of Darth Bane, who also challenges Yoda, but Yoda recognizes that he is an illusion as well, and the ghost disappears. Meanwhile, Sidious calls Juku and prepares him to connect with Yoda through the Force and try to get the upper hand on the Jedi by getting rid of Yoda, because Sidious knows that Yoda is at Morban, which is a whole other issue. 
The Force priestesses appear to Yoda here on Moraban and tell him that they don't know what will happen when Yoda enters this final te- this final chamber of the Sith Temple, which is where Jedi were sacrificed by the Sith. They then tell Yoda that the Sith Lord of his time will meet him there and Yoda can find out his true identity. Sidious does a quick blood sacrifice and dunks his head in the bowl. Just a casual, quick <laughs> blood sacrifice in our Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Sidious does a quick blood sacrifice and dunks his head in this bowl to go meet Yoda. In Moraban, Yoda meets sifo who is trapped by Force Lightning and begs Yoda to help him. sifo tempts Yoda with the truth of who the Sith Lord is, but Yoda refuses. Sifo-Dyas then morphs into Sidious as Yoda then finds himself in a new vision that feels very real to Yoda. Anakin is there as are other clone troopers and Jedi. Then Dooku appears. Anakin and Dooku begin to duel and Anakin ends up killing Dooku just as he does in Revenge of the Sith, but Yoda tries to stop Anakin. Yoda then begins to fight with Palpatine in a battle that is very similar to their battle in the Senate, but takes place on a location very similar to Mustafar where we see Obi-Wan and Anakin battle. Uh, Palpatine takes out Anakin, and then it's just Yoda and Palpatine. Palpatine tries to kill Anakin, but Yoda keeps saving him. Palpatine tells Yoda that if he would just sacrifice Anakin, it will destroy the Sith's plans. And Yoda refuses. They fight. Yoda and Sidious fall off of the walkway together. And as Yoda takes off the Sith's hood, Sidious exits the vision, and Yoda is left with shadows. Yoda returns to the council and tells them nothing about his trip, although they all ask. All Yoda says is that he knows how to bring victory for all time now. Whew. 30 second re- recap uh, flashbacks. <laughs> Just I think quick. we did 20 second recap. Huh? They were 20 second. They were 20 yeah. second. Um, The quick blood sacrifice, though. Classic. <laughs> Why don't we start there? Okay. So, <laughs> the very fact, because I, I feel like this burning need to discuss this. I know that people are going to want us to discuss like the Darth Bane thing, which I just really can't speak to with much expertise. I'm sorry. The only thing we can say is that Mark Campbell voiced it. Yeah, which is super interesting. But mm, the cool. the the very fact that Palpatine and Dooku have a blood sacrifice over this like weird pensive thing, it's it can only be described as a pensive for me if you guys are familiar with Harry Potter, because it's like this like bird bath. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Sith birdbath. It kind of is. Looking thing that Palpatine like harnesses his Sith lightning over with the blood sacrifice and is able to enter locations and enter visions. And I think it's worth mentioning because it comes up in Rebels again. And Mm -hmm. it's how Palpatine is able to access Ezra through the world between worlds. And in in this weird way, it's like the pensive is this almost like the force bond it's this opening in between these two locations it's a connected force bond it's a force bond it's a forced force bond it's a manipulated force bond by palpatine but my question is is that in this instance palpatine needed dooku because dooku was the one who had that master apprentice relationship to yoda number one palpatine knew that yoda was on morban which very freaky number two (laughs) Palpatine does a blood sacrifice. Also very <laughs> Cannot gloss over that. Cannot stress this enough. Palpatine does a blood sacrifice. <laughs> Remember when people were always like, that kid show. Yeah. <laughs> this is like example number 373 of how this is not just a kid show. No, no, no. <laughs> but he needs Dooku in order to 
do the blood sac to do the casual blood sacrifice. But in Rebels, it's like he's learned more now that he, oh my god, what? What if he used? He knew that Ahsoka was there, and he used Anakin as like Vader as a blood sacrifice to go to into access that, that master apprentice relationship. Oh my, god. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sure he has all of Vader's blood just lying around, to be honest. Considering he's like the keeper. Well, he's the keeper of Vader's mask, his body. It's like, it's a terribly grotesque thing. Well, no, you know? but I wonder, like, if he brought Vader there, just like he brings Dooku there. Because he know, like, if he's gained this power. Whoa. Shook. Goosebumps. I'm very stressed <laughs> right now because because we were watching that scene again from Rebels, which again, great episodes. And after after it finished, I was thinking, does Vader ever realize that Ahsoka is alive again? Mm-hmm. But maybe he knew this whole time because Palpatine has to use him. I was gonna. My original theory was that Palpatine has now elevated his knowledge about these places, and he doesn't need the blood sacrifice anymore. Which is true. It could that could yeah, happen. I think that's actually probably how it happened. Yeah, because I think it elevates Palpatine's story more and makes him a bigger threat. Caitlin, you know what? You need to write down in your phone right now this question, so that next time there's a Q and A session with Dave Filoni, you can ask oh him that. God. Oh my god! Wait, I started a Google Doc on our show for, our, <laughs> for the podcast about questions for Dave. Okay, please add this one. I do think that this idea of a manipulated force bond could be the beginnings of what Snoke did to Rey and Kylo, even though I'm still yeah. unclear about that. I'm not sure I 100% believe that. But I I don't know. I think that also the idea that force lightning is more than just like electrocuting force lightning is also something really interesting that I think was introduced here, brought back up in um rebels obviously but i think like even i don't know i think that by changing it i'm like what else can sith lightning do will we see that in the rise of skywalker i have to think we're going to right Mm -hmm. well thinking about the force bond and like with ray and kylo and how snoke manipulated it again i think it's almost like the cosmic and living force those things that manipulation and that organic force bond they're all kind of existing on the same plane yeah like it was already there but Ray and Kylo didn't know it was there because if they are instruments of the cosmic force, and as we believe, they're supposed to be this balance mm-hmm. represented in both of them. That connection has always been there between them ever since Ray was born. Like she was born to rise up to meet Kylo's darkness. And so that connection was already there. They just didn't know it. Although if we also take into our other – one of our other crack theories that Kylo and Ray have been seeing each other in visions for a long time now and just never realized it too – Snoke is the one who was able to have that perspective to be like, I see what's going on here and I'm going to manipulate it. True. But who was handling that original bridge where if they had been seeing each other for their entire life, could it have been the Palpatine? cosmic force? No, could it have been Palpatine? <laughs> In anything, could it have been Palpatine? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think that it could have been Palpatine. I think well, that, yes, the cosmic force, but also intervene intervening with Palpatine. Yeah, I guess. Who knows? Yeah, I think they were happening at this. I think, again, I think they're all happening at the same time that they were destined to find each other mm-hmm. and to intersect and 
depending on we're gonna have to revisit this in 2020 i know i know yeah i don't think we know enough yet about what exactly palpatine is doing other than blood sacrifices i agree there it's super speculatory beyond just like that would be interesting if you know I wonder if he can only do like one blood sacrifice every like 20 generation or something, you know? I doubt that. I doubt that. So they're not like, I don't know. They they don't have limits, you know? Like a punch card. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about when, because I do think the Darth Bane thing is really interesting. I think the Sifo Diaz thing is really interesting. But I think maybe the most fascinating part of this is the showdown, the final, mm. the final part where Yoda faces. Palpatine and Anakin and it when I say showdown that's a literal usage from Joseph Campbell's hero's journey this is part of the the journey is this like grand showdown and I think one of the major things that struck me when we were watching this episode was the priestess is saying you'll meet the Sith of your time and Anakin is for some reason in this vision and so So is is Sidious who Yoda still like can't reveal who it is um and Yoda keeps trying to save Anakin keeps trying to save Anakin and at the at the cost of you know his own knowledge which I think is really metaphorical in its own way I also think there's Mm -hmm. that like great vision of Sidious force choking Anakin and then Sith lightning-ing him which Mm -hmm. happens metaphorically with the fact that he is forever choked by the dark side in this large you know costume and mask and breathing apparatus that he has to wear but also he is sith lightning at the very end right of return of the jedi so i just think it's really i don't know there's a lot of metaphorical stuff going on (laughs) there it's so layered it's so layered you can watch the whole scene and be like you know that all of this was thought out all of these Mm -hmm. this perfect movement all the times that yoda has tried to when he got closer and closer to seeing who sidious was who palpatine was he at the same time was putting himself on the line to save anakin as any true hero would. Yeah. And but you know, they still neither one of them lied, neither the Force Priestesses nor Sidious. Mm-hmm. The Force Priestesses tell them that they're he's I think they even say like you'll meet the Sith of your time and discover his identity. Mm-hmm. And that does happen. Yoda just doesn't realize it. Or per- perhaps he does in a way, but he doesn't realize that it's Anakin and that is unmasked Anakin. Yeah. And Sidious, the thing I – so when we were rewatching these episodes, I realized that I forgot nearly all of them. And the <laughs> only thing that I really related back to this whole arc was Yoda and Shadow Yoda. That was like the thing that stuck out in my mind, which is crazy because this episode exists. And the fact that Sidious says to him – because Sidious is actually there – Right. Mm-hmm. This is again when when before the last Jedi came out, and we were like shared visions, and we were like Ezra and Maul have a shared vision. That's cool. Totally forgot about this very crazy shared vision <laughs> that mm-hmm. Yoda and Palpatine have, and it's like a forced vision because Palpatine is the one that's in control within this vision because he manifests himself or he presents himself as Sifo-Dyas to try and get the upper hand on Yoda. And but the fact that Sidious tells him. If you let Anakin die, all your problems are gone. And Yoda's like, nope, not going to do it. And Sidious is like, mm-hmm, cool. 
<laughs> totally fine with that. But then that brings the question, like, if Yoda had let – because this is where Yoda – is actually the most challenged because multiple times throughout these episodes, we've seen him say like, I know you're not real. I know you're not real. You can't hurt me here. But here he doesn't say, well, it's okay if I let Anakin fall because I know this isn't real. Like he, this is, this is where he is pulled into the vision. And I think that he not so much has lost touch with reality, but just has lost himself within the vision. And it is that weird gray area because Palpatine really is there. They are actually having a real fight. The question is, is if Anakin had died within his vision, what would have happened in the real world? And the fact that Yoda wasn't willing to risk that. I don't know. The, the, this like gray area within this part of the episode is so fascinating just on like a – like what are the repercussions of what's actually going on here? Mm-hmm. I, I'm struck by this idea that in these great – um, these great battles that test our heroes during the hero's journey, that something that is so tempting is the truth. What Yoda is after here is the truth of who Sidious is, who is behind the entire Clone War. And I think that they present him with the truth, but I still don't think he's able to look it completely in the eye or fully yeah. accept it, even though and, and <laughs> actually literally look it in, in the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, And then you see Luke and his struggle to accept the truth, but he's after the truth as well. In in Return of the Jedi, the truth that he is was once Anakin Skywalker. He wants to believe. He wants that, you know. Um, and then Rey is constantly on this journey to find out what the truth is for herself, who she is, and what that means. And I think that it's just. I don't know. I think that the truth here for Yoda is so shrouded because it is clearly presented to him, yet he doesn't fully accept it. However, he is given that power to continue on because he recognizes things as illusions. So he does, in a way, fully accept. I I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I'm trying to go back and forth about like, he sees this, it's all happening. He is presented with the truth. We do talk about pretty often about how the Sith and the dark side honestly never really lie. They never like give the full truth. I just think that it's kind of a subjective truth in this weird way mm-hmm. where he doesn't like dive deep enough to kind of let go and see the clear picture, I guess. I think there's this split between the truth that Yoda wants, like the knowledge that Yoda wants to know and the knowledge that he needs to know. What he wants to know is who Sidious is. And that's what he's putting all his focus on in this episode. Yeah. What he needs to know is that it actually doesn't matter what Sidious is doing. If Yoda had been able to get to Anakin, that would have changed the tide. What he needed to know was that Anakin was actually the Sith there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would have changed the tide of the war. And then I think when you're kind of thinking about that with our sequel trilogy characters, because that's what we do here with Ray. The truth that she wants to – this is why I think Ray's journey is going to be really interesting to go back to because she overcomes so much in The Last Jedi as far as her personal journey. The truth she wants, the knowledge that she wants is confirmation that her family loves her and that they're coming back for her. But the knowledge that she needs is the scarier – just like with Yoda, the, the knowledge that he needs is the scarier knowledge that this person who has he has raised, that he's been involved in raising, is the one that will actually destroy them all. 
mm-hmm. and the knowledge like that's the scariest thing and the knowledge that Ray needs is that her family doesn't love her and that's the scariest thing in the world but that's what she needs in order to move on and for Kylo I think it's a little murky but the knowledge that he wants is that he can be all powerful that he doesn't that he doesn't need his family maybe but the knowledge that he needs that he is also refusing is that his family actually does love him and still loves him. I don't know. I have to think through Kylo's a little bit more. <laughs> it's purposely murky because we're only seeing a piece of it. Yeah. So but I then, think that's okay. Like, yeah. But like with Ray, like I said, she overcame this really dramatic thing in her personal journey. So I'm very excited and honestly a little anxious to see how that continues into the rise of Skywalker. But with Yoda, yeah, he he is given the the knowledge that he wants, but he's also given the knowledge that he needs in within that vision. He just doesn't see it, mm-hmm. and Palpatine knows this too. That's what makes it all the more sinister. Palpatine is controlling the vision, probably because they're on Moraband, which is a place of Sith. It's the ancient homeworld of the Sith. Like, what? How often has Palpatine gone there? Ah. <sighs> You know, like, does he just yeah. travel with this bird bath around? Like, the bird where bath. did he keep it? The Sith bird bath. <laughs> <laughs> travel with the Sith bird bath, like, all the time? Or, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really fit in the pocket of a it's Sith robe. I mean, just imagine all of the droids, the the Roger Rogers, like, trying to move this bird bath with Palpatine wherever he goes. Because, you it's know, you never, you never know when you're going to need to do a blood sacrifice. You just never know when it's time for another blood sacrifice in our Star Wars. In blood Star sacrifice. Wars. After the <laughs> with the Kardashians, the slavery episode. <laughs> the impaling, so much impaling that happens. Multiple man, I could just go on. Where were we? <laughs> They're at the Sith Temple, and so Palpatine, like this, really is just this big. Like you said, it's a showdown, but it's a showdown of showing just how powerful Darth Sidious is. That he completely gets the upper hand over Yoda in this instance. In this instance, and still manages to conceal his identity mm-hmm. from him. Mm-hmm. And you kind of wonder if Yoda ever kind of had a chance. Do you think Yoda had a chance in this battle? No. Was he supposed to? Like, were the priests no. like, he could definitely win this? Or is part of his journey his failure here? Probably his failure. I I think that I'm just thinking about, like, how the Darth Bane fits into all of this. And the note that Yoda says to Darth Bane is, you invented the rule of two. And then he dismisses it as an illusion. It's really, it's kind of interesting because, okay, so in the beginning of this episode, we acknowledge that there was a rule of two with the Sith. And then the what appears to Yoda as the truth is two Sith Lords, Sidious mm-hmm. and Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker. Um, and I think that if only he had acknowledged that as a true illusion in the same way that it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's kind of mind-boggling. I'm getting a little lost in my own thoughts. I know. My head hurts. But yeah. <laughs> the, when we see Yoda in The Last Jedi, when he tells Luke, you know, folly and failure, that's what you must pass on. At that point, 
I assume that he's reflected back on this moment here to be like, it was it was Anakin. Mm-hmm. Why I should have seen Anakin there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like Yoda didn't take the time. At, like if Yoda had had his own podcast and his own three-part series, like the Calrissian Chronicles, he would have broken down and been like, huh, interesting. Out of all the people that could have been there and that vision with me. It was Anakin. Anakin. Why? And I Why? think that he he might jump to the immediate conclusion of, oh, Anakin started this journey with me because he helped me break out. La, 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 that's, la, la. That's really weak. I it's hope so that, weak. I hope it that is Yoda's so analytical weak. skills are a little stronger than that. <laughs> yeah. You know? But Yoda didn't – That this is where I think we get into really speculatory and I don't even think we can really even speculate on it because all of this is so – insane <laughs> like just the whole conversation and i i i hate to say this but like i want yoda, more yoda screen time in the next season of Clone Wars. i can't believe but, you just said that no save it save that sound bite <laughs> for to just that question that's kind of in the back of my head now of what does he know what does he believe is set in stone and I think also going back to our conversation in other episodes about Yoda having this perspective of time, and I don't know, does that make us like him more or less that he knows that something like Order 66 is coming and doesn't do anything about it? Is that a hero? But Yoda, I mean, Yoda is a hero, but that's not his first moniker. His first moniker is teacher, and that has a different meaning, I think, than hero. Mm-hmm. Because Luke is our hero and Luke makes what Yoda would consider a mistake to go after his friends and Empire Strikes Back. But that's the heroic thing to do. The, the heroic thing to do isn't necessarily always the right thing to do. And I think the follies of the Skywalkers kind of emphasize that, <laughs> that they're heroic even in these mistakes and wrong turns. Whereas Yoda, I don't, I guess personally, I don't think of Yoda as a hero. I think of him as a teacher first and foremost. I don't know. Like, I'm confusing myself. Semantics. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we end with Yoda saying he knows now how to reach a victory, but not victory for the Clone Wars, victory for all time. And then we fade to black. And all time, what is all time, man? What time? (laughs) The things he's learned, though, have come to him from a place that is separated from time. Exactly. So they're already happening. So his he's so confident that his ability that he just learned will restore the future of what is good, what he considers to be good, the Jedi Order. Maybe he didn't think that by losing the clone war he would lose the Jedi yeah. order as well. Maybe maybe even though Yoda has this perspective of centuries of time, he is still kind of short sighted at this moment. By the amount of loss. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that he thinks that they lose the Clone War, but they maintain – like, they get to become – that to go back to being the keepers of the peace doesn't mean they have to win the war. But he's still wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think – I thought I came to, like, a really nice kind of safe space for my Yoda thoughts at the end of the last episode, and now I feel like I'm just right back where I started. Well, I'm sure that 
so many people listening right now are kind of at the same place with this episode. These this whole episode arc, it's just kind of mind-boggling. I've seen it so many times. I return to it often. It's just it's so hard to wrap your mind around what Yoda knows, what he doesn't know, what that means, what he thinks, what the force is telling yeah. him. There's a lot um, going on. Wow. And I think we can analyze it forever. But I do want to say again, I think it's really an amazing choice that this whole arc follows the hero's journey and presents Yoda going through trials and tribulations that we've never seen before with Yoda and has him rising on the other side with an ability that he can, for all intents and purposes, cheat death. I think it's great. And I hope to see (laughs) more of these things throughout Star Wars. (laughs) She said subtly. (laughs) It's not subtle at all, Caitlin. It's really not subtle. <laughs> okay, but I just want to say before we wrap up this episode, who remembers and like please like write right in cuz I have this clear memory of binging through The Lost Missions on Netflix the day they dropped. I like it was on a Thursday or a Friday. I think I watched it all day. I like ordered pizza. It was great in my dorm in college. And when this episode faded to black and the sad, sad music started to play. <laughs> I was like, it's over. I can't believe it's I wish I could find the text messages with you, Caitlin, where I was like dying. And I remember you being like, I can't believe I have to slog through Yoda episodes and that's it. <laughs> and I'd be like, you don't understand. Victory what? for all time. <laughs> Let me tell you, what kills me about this whole little anecdote you told is that yes, we were in college when this happened, but what had happened the year prior was the Ahsoka, the end of season five. And you waited forever (laughs) to watch these episodes it's true that was the most painful time in my life as a star wars fan was how long it took me i don't i don't know i don't know if you were like i don't need to watch it i don't know what you were doing but i feel like every day i was like have you watched it have you watched it have you watched what are you doing like no not maybe this weekend i don't know i'm like doing some other stuff i'm like (laughs) I even, like, tried to bribe you with, like, this question of, like, Anakin or Ahsoka knowing about Anakin and Padme. Still, you waited. I think, it, like, I think that worked, Caitlin. Come on. It, it still took you, like, three weeks to finish that series, and I wanted to kill myself. I was almost at the point where I was like, I'm just going to spoil it for you, and I don't even care. because <laughs> I, I just – I don't know. I think that the end of the Clone Wars, just like the Ahsoka episodes, the Ahsoka Leaves episodes, that Dave was really adamant that they fade to black and they don't have the – you know, takes you out of it. Yeah, and I think that this was another one. I think it honestly a really similar rendition of what played at the end of Ahsoka Leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is called Ahsoka Leaves by Kevin Kiner. Um, plays at the end of this and it's so somber yet hopeful because of the line that Yoda said and I remember just being like a mess <laughs> and I can't <laughs> believe that we're getting more Clone Wars because in that moment I was like that's it where are the where are the rest of the lost missions like I go on starwars.com watch those like <laughs> rinky dink batch. yeah bad batch <laughs> stuff unfinished i'm like this is it <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile i'm just sitting there replaying the bad batch of anakin and so of anakin and obi-wan talking about ahsoka and crying <laughs> it's not a great time caitlin we're gonna get that we're gonna <gasps> get it and i'm gonna cry so many emotions yeah 
Okay, so I think really the only way we need to wrap up this episode is with one last look to the animation department for the future, for the future of Star Wars. Wars. I mean, seriously, it's yeah. if it's not clear in this episode, can't help you. Also, I'm just going to throw this in there. If you're not watching Star Wars Resistance right now, you probably should because I assure you <laughs> crazy things like the Yoda arc are going to happen in Star Wars Resistance and you, you got to get up to speed. So quickly you were like, and well, if you're one of those people who isn't watching Star Wars Resistance, I really think you're turning into Star Wars Resistance because it has a lot of good things to offer the Star Wars story and you should really be watching Star Wars Resistance. <laughs> I'm just here being a spokesperson for watching Resistance. Resistance is so good. You guys, I, I, don't, <laughs> anyway. I don't think we'll get Yoda levels of crazy in Star Wars Resistance. Caitlin, but how do you not? How do you know that Mortis was season right. four or five? And but, no, we have discussed this at length in our own <laughs> Rebels re- Resistance recap that Resistance is not forced focus. Which okay, you guys should know that it's good because if we like it and it's not forced focus, like that tells what's you something. Happening? The fact that there's like one episode where they kind of sort of mention the force and talk about it, and then they they literally it's like one line, and then it leaves, and you don't see it for like another seven episodes or something, and yep. we still love it. <laughs> so I mean, that should be all the recommendation you need, honestly. True. So you should definitely watch Star Wars Resistance. Kaz, my favorite person. Wow, this is <laughs> I'm like Resistance. So, Caitlin, to kind of wrap up this entire series, because now we're at the very end of our Yoda series, I want to ask the question that I asked you in the very beginning of our Yoda series in Yoda 1 and see if it's changed. So where do you stand on your scale of Yoda-like ability? What do you think of Yoda? Yoda 10 being love Yoda, 0 being hate Yoda. Uh, I think I'm at like a 6.8. 6.8 is pretty high. I think this point that 6.8 really stems from having a better understanding of him. And also I think it's been really good to discuss him more in depth because I feel like I'm more at peace with the fact that it's not a nine or a 10 for me <laughs> and that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also I think we, I feel like we've heard from a lot of other people like on Twitter and, and in our email and stuff who have similar kind of opinions or questions about Yoda, which Really made me feel not alone in this because sometimes it kind of feel like, oh, I can't believe you don't like Yoda that much. Yeah. (laughs) So that was kind of nice. But I do feel like I understand him a lot more. And even just kind of really going through this episode, I like – I think his function is really important. And as we've discussed in this episode, how an episode like this, which is so – steeped in everything that we love about star wars that it could only happen with yoda as a character you can't substitute in another character and get the same kind of results or exploration of the force and for me i think that's really important and really interesting too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's like like we said at the very beginning i don't think for either of us he's ever going to be our favorite character but i will say that if he does come back and hit kylo over the head with his walking stick i might have to jump that up to an easy eight on the scale so (laughs) there is that possibility in the future but i think i think i'm just really happy with being kind of squirrely in the middle of the scale now yeah i totally get that i would say after all of this work, I would bump it up even higher for me. I think I'm at an 8.5. Ooh, ooh. 
I'm really interested in Yoda now and everything he represents and his understanding of the Force and what he under. I I feel like I really understand him and every like all his flaws, and I think that kind of makes him great. I don't know if I want to sit down and read a novel all about Yoda from the perspective of Yoda. I'm not doing that, but I I do have way more of an interest in Yoda than I did before after doing this. Yeah, 100%. I I guess I just don't think that more knowledge means more like ability, I guess is the conclusion I've kind of come to. Yeah, it doesn't have to. Even Yeah, even though I like that knowledge, I like that analysis of him. It's kind of a weird place to be in, honestly. And I think that weird place makes me like him more. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of complicated. And I think that this will be changing a lot, like we said, once we get more of him in episode or in the next season of Clone Wars, depending on how much of this he kind of references back to what's happening with the Jedi now, if we'll ever kind of know that complacency with you know, something like Order 66 or what exactly he thinks is going to happen. Or not at all, given that quote from Dave that kind of says that, and you saying that this was kind of George's swan song, that they finally found a place for Yoda. I don't know if there's anything else that we can push Yoda for besides this, you know? So I, I don't know what I expect from that. I think that there will be really interesting conversations, perhaps, or you know, they'll push the force a little bit more. I I really hope that. But I think there's also a possibility that we might not get that at all because this is so important. And all of this is coming after the rise of Skywalker, too. Very true. Oh, wow. Another layer added. Yeah. I mean, as far so as we know. <laughs> it's definitely coming after Rise of Skywalker. They have not said anything about Clone Wars mm-hmm. in 2019 or on Disney Play. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the show and our Yoda series. Yoda 1, Yoda 2, Yoda 3. And Woo-hoo. me. <laughs> <laughs> this was a really fascinating deep dive into Yoda. What character do you think what character would you guys like to see us do something similar for? You know, if we if we were going to do this again, <laughs> what would be kind of your first pick to see us tackle uh, in the next Sky Talkers series? Uh, let us know. You can contact us on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod. That's where we're most active. Also on our personal Twitter handles, mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We also have our website, SkyTalkers.com. You can find us on our Patreon if you're interested in supporting us there, just SkyTalkersPodcast. We also have an email, SkyTalkersPodcast at gmail.com. We do respond to emails. It does sometimes take us a minute or two, but we do respond to every single email that we get. So please reach out to us there. We would love to hear from you and hear your thoughts on Yoda, more about your cuteness, Yoda, your favorite cute Yoda, and uh, how many blood sacrifices you think Palpatine gets to do every generation. Is it unlimited? Is it a punch card? What's the deal? And if you also want another way to support us, you can go and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really, like honestly, really does help people find our show. And leaving written reviews makes us smile. So please go and do that if you have a second to spare. Yes. And I want to thank our amazing patrons, Jason, Gina, Shelbo, Joey, James, Kathy, Gee, Kate, Nathan, Sam, Bailey, Eric, Kelly, Amy, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, 
Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, Bradley, Adam, Candice, Kimma, Jalea, Matthew, Jim and Jedi, Jackson, Carrie, Jackson, Raphael, David, Ada, Liz, Christian, Nicole, Jonathan, Rachel, Aaron, Brooke, Rebecca, Kathy, Iribel, Kimberly, Ewan, Donnie, Vundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Santara, Thomas, John, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpararoo, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Alyssa, Rebecca, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Molly, Claire, Brad, Unspeakable, Caitlin, Rebecca, Helly, Scott, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabres Podcast, and Chuck. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Your support really means the world. Yes, thank you guys so, so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.